staff here at Evangel. Pastor Andrew and Pastor Pam are away on vacation. Uh, Andrew will be back by next Sunday. He's away in Ontario. Uh, Have him and his family in prayer as they continue to work through the process of of, uh, the estate um, of his mother who had passed away a few months ago. Not an easy process, and so certainly keep them in prayer. This uh, last five weeks, this being week six, we have been on a series, the I Am, exploring the different, the seven different I Am statements of Jesus. Just a side note for those that are watching online, I'm trying something new this morning. I have you up on my phone, so I will be able to see when you make comments. It'll be almost as good as you saying amen in person. So uh, I'm sure we all can agree that in this world, there are a lot of opinions, there are a lot of lines of thought, especially in the last couple of years, we've been extreme, I should say last like four years, we've been extremely exposed to the different varying clashing at times opinions and ideals that, that those around us have and the world has. Sometimes those opinions are, are stated politely, sometimes it can be confrontational. And there's a lot of opinions about who Jesus is throughout history since Jesus first started to do ministry. There's been a lot of different people with different opinions of who Jesus was when he was on earth, who Jesus continues to be. Some people said that he was a good teacher. Some people have said and continue to say that he's just a spiritual leader or a prophet. Uh, in, in, uh, in the Quran, he's, he's viewed as, they believe in Jesus' existence, but they say that he was simply just a prophet. Others say that, uh, sure, he was a good guy, he was a good example. I don't know that he's any more than that. But we know as Christ believers, as those who believe in Jesus and and who he was and continues to be, that he truly is the Son of God. That he's the second person within the Trinity. We believe wholeheartedly that he is and always will be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Am I right? We've explored over the last few weeks who Jesus is, and you'll recall that when Jesus was on earth, he even asked his followers a question, who do you say I am? And one of his followers named Peter. I heard Peter's name mentioned over here. He said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He said that 
we experience Jesus questioning how much he actually believes that. Because it's one thing to know and speak that word. It's another thing to believe that within our heart of hearts. Am I right? It's another thing to experience who he actually is. It's something that as a new believer, we grow and we learn, become more intimate with the great I am. And it's something that as we've been within the faith and we've been calling ourselves a believer, that we continually need to remind ourselves. We need to maintain that relationship so we don't find ourselves falling out of relationship and closeness and intimacy with Jesus. It's really, really important, and it's why we've been spending, it'll be seven weeks uh, when we finish this series, it's really important for us to truly and continually understand and remind ourselves what Jesus says about himself. It's vitally important for us to understand. It's one thing to know what other people say who Jesus is, it's a completely different thing to truly intrinsically know what Jesus says about himself. And so that's why we are looking at the seven I am statements that are found in the Gospel of John. That's why we are sitting here for seven weeks because I truly believe, Pastor Andrew truly believes, and we hope you truly believe that this is significant. This is biblically and spiritually significant to who we are as a church, who we are personally behind closed doors when no one else is watching. It wasn't just a statement that was said one time to one person for one person to understand, meaning Moses in the burning bush when he encountered God, and, he, and God said, I am. It wasn't just something to be understood for that one time. It's something to be continually understood, which is why Jesus made seven I am statements. And so uh, today we're looking at number six. We're looking at John 10, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10. If you have a Bible or a Bible app, I encourage you to turn there because that is where we're going to be. There won't be much flipping around today. John 10, verses 1 through 10. And just before we read it, when you look at who Jesus was, when you look at the sort of things that he said, how counterculture, how counter religion they were, it really shook things up. When you consider some of the things that he said directly to those that were the religious leaders, it's no wonder at times they were really angry and then got super duper angry and had him killed. Um, it's no wonder. He really shook it up. 
I mean, he said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham, I am. John chapter 8, verses 58 is where that's found. Every one of these I am statements from Jesus was a claim to deity, which shook things up. People had trouble believing that he truly was who he said he was. And it's something that we even continue to see today. Not just unbelievers, but believers themselves sometimes seem to have trouble claiming hold to the great I am and what Jesus had to say. And so today we're going to see Christ, Jesus Christ saying, I am the door, the door of the sheep. It says in John 10, I have it here, but I'm reading it off my sheet because the print is bigger. It says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who stands by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has bought, sorry, when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Do you know his voice? A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, because we as humans are sometimes a little bit thick in the skull, Jesus said again to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. He was talking to the religious leaders at this time. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Woo! It's exciting. Am I right? It's exciting. Man, I could preach this morning. <laughs> so Jesus opens this sermon with this very familiar illustration, one that listens, listeners would understand. If you can put up this picture that uh, I have, this is actually a picture from Pastor Andrew himself that he took when he was in Israel. This is a real-life sheep pen. Now, specifically, this is a pen that uh, the sheep would stay in when they're closer to home, closer to the city. Um, this is well-built. As you can see, there's a bit of a stable in there. You get that little narrow gate that uh, is right there. Now, in that picture, 
There is a fence now, uh, but back then there wouldn't necessarily have been, uh, sorry, there's a gate back that physically shuts. Necessarily, some of them would, some of them wouldn't. When the shepherds were out in the field, out in pastures, trying to find someplace new for their, their sheep to graze, they would build a temporary uh, pasture, or sorry, a temporary pen that was just built out of big rocks, uh, someplace that at night the shepherds could put their sheep within. During the night, that doorway, that pen, would be guarded by the shepherd. It'd be guarded by literally his own body. And uh, often when they were out in the fields, you would have multiple flocks uh, that were guarded by multiple shepherds, and they would uh, put all of the different flocks together into the same uh, pen during the nighttime. The shepherds would take uh, shifts on who was going to sleep in the doorway of the pen to be the protector, to be a physical door for the protection of the sheep and to make sure the sheep didn't go wandering off during the night. And then in the morning, the different shepherds would come and they would call out to their flock and the flock knew the voice of their own shepherd. And so there wasn't like any having to mark spray paint or something, this is my sheep, or branded or something. They knew who owned them, who their shepherd was. So they would call out and all the flock would come out and go to their individual shepherd because each sheep recognized his own master's voice. It's important to understand that within the scripture, gates and doors are important. It's an important element that's woven through the, the Bible. It's, it's an element that has symbolism for access, for protection, and for salvation. Way back in 1963, I won't ask how many of us were alive then. I wasn't. I look old, but I'm young. On NBC television, they started running, at that time, what was considered a new show called Let's Make a Deal. Anyone still watch that? When I was unemployed, I watched that many hours and wish that I won some of those things. And so in that show, if you're not familiar with it, contestants have this opportunity to win some really cool prizes. But all the prizes are concealed either behind doors or underneath small boxes, big boxes, or maybe it's money and so it's concealed in an envelope. And so they have these possibilities awaiting them, but they're hidden. And they get to choose if they want to make a deal. And so often the host will try to tantalize contestants and say, I will pay you this much money instead of taking what's behind X door. Because the other possibility 
for the contestant is that they might be what's called zonked. And so instead of them winning an amazing car or new bedroom set or winning $5,000, if they open the door, if they get zonked, there's just garbage basically behind. And so the whole point of, of the game is for the contestants to decide whether or not they're willing to take a gamble for what is unknown. What's my point with this? Life, as we know it, is full of choices, full of decisions, full of doors, full of, is this right or is this wrong for me? It's so full of uncertainty. But this, let me tell you, and please believe me, when you're picking Jesus, there's no gamble. There's no question There's no need to wonder if there's a surety because as we've been discussing for this being six weeks, there are promises, there are assurities that are made in God's word and have been proven time and time again through history. We talked about it this morning during the time of encourages. There's promises that we can hold on to. Jesus is not a gamble. It is a sure thing. And so first this morning, Jesus, when he's in this passage talking about, I am the door, he's giving us a place of belonging. That's point number one. You'll see it on the screen here in a second. I think in this picture, no, I didn't. This kind of looks like, no, because the door's too fancy there. I tried to get a picture that looked like uh, what they look like in the field. Apparently, now that I'm seeing it much bigger, I failed. But you can go on Google, and uh, you'll see what the sheep's pen looks like when they're out. It, it doesn't look very impressive, to be honest. It looks pretty shoddy, doesn't look too secure, but it does the job. Look, go home and Google it. Number one, Jesus gives us a place of belonging. So it's important when we're looking at God's word, it's important to understand the context. Because it was written in a time where things culturally were a little bit different. Um, It doesn't change the truths of God's word. It's just it's important to understand as part of proper, being a proper biblical scholar is understanding context. And so uh, I want to go in reverse to last week for just a second. And in John 10, we saw how Jesus had healed a blind beggar. And the Jewish leaders were uh, infuriated because Jesus had healed a man on the Sabbath, how dare he heal somebody? So the Pharisees had uh, clicked this, kicked this beggar out of the synagogue, and in response, Jesus basically called the uh, religious leaders themselves blind. And then uh, begins the parable of the good shepherd. <clears throat> Do you remember that from last week? 
Pastor Aaron talking about the Good Shepherd. It's important contextual pretext to where we are, are today. I'm not used to a table in front of me, and so I keep putting my hands in my pocket. Um, if you're not used to seeing a pastor with his hands in his pocket, it's because I just don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> I like this, don't get me wrong, but it feels more intimate for me. It doesn't feel like I'm like behind a judge's podium, but that's why I keep putting my hands in my pocket. I'm trying to be casual. Sorry. Um, I'm a little bit ADHD, so stuff like that throws my mind off when I'm realizing I'm doing it, and then I feel the need to explain it. And then I have to explain why I'm explaining. <laughs> so, back to last Sunday. So we talked about how I am the good shepherd, which was pretext. Not any less important, but it's important to remember where and how we got to today talking about. It's a continuation of that same idea. it's kind of part two. And so he had said, I am the good shepherd. And in contrast, he called uh, the religious leaders blind guides, which I'm sure they took very well. He had briefly spoken about the light and darkness, but how he changed the image of that to the shepherd and the sheep. Why? Because of the Jewish mindset. They understood the shepherd-sheep relationship. And so it was easier for them to understand that um, and for them to wrap their minds around the comparison Jesus was trying to make to spirituality and the way that leaders were working. And so here, where we are today, Jesus speaks of the sheepfold. He says that The sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Where do sheep belong? With the shepherd in the sheepfold. In this text, text, Jesus identifies those who belong to God, us, symbolically, as his sheep, And he's referring to himself as the good shepherd. And in case you don't already know this, let me inform you that sheep are vulnerable animals. They don't have much in way of defenses, uh, especially when they're on their own. They're very indefensible. Uh, Goats a little bit worse because when they get scared, they just fall over. At least he didn't compare us to goats. Could have been worse. But one thing that sheep do have as a, as a defense mechanism is numbers. They group together to try to make it a little bit more difficult, a little bit more intimidating. I mean, if you see sheep, uh, man, they pack together tight. But... Part of the issue with that defense mechanism and them not being too bright is that can often cause a lot of trouble 
for the entire flock. For example, apparently this is true, this happened in Turkey. Uh, Some shepherds were eating breakfast outside of a small town in Turkey, and they were surprised to see a lone sheep jump off a nearby cliff and fall literally to its death. And then they were stunned when the rest of the sheep, apparently it was 1,500 sheep in a herd, followed that one sheep off the cliff. Isn't that crazy? Now, according to the story, those that were closer to the middle or the back of the herd weren't uh, um, injured. They had some cushioning when they fell. I don't mean that to be funny. I'm just saying, like, it's just it's so crazy in my mind that that's how an animal could operate. And that the only thing that saved them were the other sheep that went over ahead of them. It's just like blind following the blind. I mean, I don't have this written in my notes, but I just thought this. We as human beings, we don't always get it right. And sometimes we end up following people in the wrong direction or believing the wrong things or being influenced by the wrong feelings and opinions And as Christians, we easily fall to wrong attitudes, am I right? We easily can get our back up wrong about about little things that we don't like, i.e. I'm preaching in front of a table instead of a pulpit. Some people can make a big deal about that and go share their bitterness to others, and it can influence our hearts. I don't have this in my, my, my message, but I just felt like we need to hear that. We need to be careful that we don't be influenced even by those around us in their negative attitudes and, and the, the, the humanity that can well up within us. Receive that this morning. It's not for anyone specific. It's just something that I felt I needed to say. The estimated loss to the families apparently topped over $100,000, which in Turkey, that's a lot of money because the average person uh, over there uh, at the uh, at this time, makes around twenty seven hundred dollars annually, and I mean there was no one around. There's nothing that anyone could do. Um, the sheep were just gone, and the reality. Apparently, one of the family members said uh, that those gre- those sheep were grazing together in a herd, and in the absence of the shepherd. The sheep wandered in the wrong direction, and it cost them their lives. The reality is, and as seen in this illustration, and in the context of John 10, sheep can't pick, shouldn't be left to just pick their own direction. The good shepherd is there to lead the sheep to pastures there to lead the sheep to where they need to be, to where it is actually safe. Safe doesn't mean bad things don't happen. Safe means away from sin. And so the sheepfold is where the sheep belong, not wandering around hoping 
that we don't fall off figurative cliffs into danger. God is described as the shepherd and we are described as the sheep. So what does that mean for you and I today in this modern context? As his sheep, we have a place of belonging. We have a place of assurity that as we follow after Christ, as we act on being a part of the family of God, not just simply existing within that idea, but actually acting upon what that means, which is relationship. Family means relationship that we have a place where we can be secure. We are his flock, and he is your shepherd. Unfortunately, in the case, in this case, we're human beings, so we have a little bit more intelligence than sheep. We have more free will than sheep realize that they have. We have more independence And so in our context, we need to choose to continue to follow our shepherd and not get distracted. If we make that choice to be intimate with Jesus, then things have very, very much, have a much smaller chance of going wrong. I'm very careful to make those clarities because I don't, there's nothing worse in my mind than a lazy Christian. Because a lazy Christian is a Christian that isn't moving closer to Christ. A lazy Christian is a Christian that thinks that they can just make by without any intentional action within their relationship with Christ. But on a much broader aspect, Being part of the flock means belonging to a family. The family, the body of Christ. In this setting, the family is Evangel Bathurst. The church. Not the building, but us. And so, as you make that decision to follow after Christ, to choose Christ to be your shepherd and your leader, it's also accepting that this is your place of safety and security. This is your place of belonging where you're loved and you're cared for and you're encouraged and you're nurtured, that you're lifted up when things are going bad and we cheer for you when things are going really good. You have a place of belonging. You belong to your shepherd. You belong to this body that I've fallen so in love with in the last three years, which is Evangel Bathurst. Secondly, Jesus gives us a promise to believe. You see, the door not only opens to receive us in the sheepfold, but it also allows us to enter into abundance of God's blessings and promises. <clears throat> In this passage, Jesus was using a figure of speech, but the Bible says 
they did not understand what he was saying to them. Have you ever read the Bible or listened to a sermon and you felt that way? Hopefully not too often, hopefully not this morning. But it often can feel like that. There's parts of the Bible that are a little bit confusing at times. Sometimes the pastor, the evangelist, the teacher uses too big of Christianese or theological sayings or phrases, and you're like, what in the world are you even trying to say to me right now? And so that was basically what was taking place beyond the fact that this was groundbreaking for the Jews. Like, this was shattering every concept that the Jewish had in understanding of who God was. And so Jesus began to explain what he was trying to say in simpler terms. In uh, verse 7 and 9, he says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. So here, here's what Jesus was trying to say. In this world, there were many thieves and robbers that had come before him who were false messiahs, who were false teachers, or just teaching wrong things, making rules where rules shouldn't be for the sake of rules, for the sake of political power. But then Jesus came to the nation of Israel. He came to this world, and he fulfilled all of Old Testament prophecies, not just some, literally all of them. He's saying he is the true shepherd. He is the only door, the only way that opens the way to God. Twice, he says, because often we do need to hear it more than once, I am the door. He is the door of the sheepfold and makes it possible for sheep to leave the religion of Judaism and enter his flock. The Pharisees threw the beggar out of the synagogue, but Jesus led him out of Judaism and into the flock of God. So what, what did Jesus mean as the door? He meant you can be saved. Go to the last slide. Unless I'm getting hit of myself. Yeah, last slide, please. Or second last slide, black one. Thanks. In verse 9, he will be saved. In Israel, when, uh, when a shepherd took his sheep away from the town, I've mentioned this earlier, on the hillside, they had to build a temporary pen. You remember me saying that? So I won't expand upon how that happened. But they would build that temporary sheepfold, that temporary refuge. And you'll remember that I said 
the sheep, at, the shepherds at night would literally sleep in the do- in in the opening where a door would be. They were that physical gate or door, and so literally at night, if sheep wanted to try to leave the pen and get into danger, they would have to walk over the shepherd. If a predator wanted to get into the pen at night, they would have to walk over the shepherd. The shepherd literally was salvation to the sheep, which is why Jesus used this metaphor, because people just got it back then. It was prevalent. Shepherds were everywhere. It was a very popular thing. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. Jesus is the door. Jesus delivers sinners from bondage and leads them into freedom. We have salvation through Christ. We are saved. It's another word. It's a word that means we're delivered. We're safe and sound. And it's not just we go through that act of salvation, yea, I'm saved, but it is a continual process of us being saved from our humanity, from our natural fallen nature, as we continue to fall more in love with our shepherd. Secondly, you can be secure. I am the door. Now understand this about the sheepfold in case you haven't caught this already. As the sheep would gather for the night in the sheepfold, there was not a door with hinges. I don't know if this has sunk in yet. The shepherd was the door. He was the only protection for the sheep and to keep the sheep away from them, their own stupidity. What the shepherd was to the sheepfold, Jesus is to God's fold. Do you hear me? What Jesus, sorry, what the shepherd was to the sheepfold, Jesus is to God's fold. He is our door. He goes on a little later in John 10, verse 15, I laid down my life for the sheep. And in verse 18, no one takes it from me, but I lay down of my own accord. Wow, what a shepherd we have. His death was not only voluntary, It was voracious and victorious. Wow. I have goosebumps. He voluntarily died for the sheep, for us, in place of us, in substitute of us. He made the choice to be the door, knowing the danger it would cause him, knowing the cost it was to him personally. 
I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. I want you to get this picture in your mind. The shepherd would have the sheep out in the middle of the wilderness. This wasn't like a desert, a desert filled with sand, like we often picture the Middle East. This was a place that was very hilly, a very rocky place. They would form walls from the rocks, and the shepherd would lay down in one place where there was no wall. No matter how uncomfortable it was, he would just lay down and say, no one goes through me. I don't care how difficult this is, how long I have to stay here, how cramped I get, I am the door. I am the shepherd. I choose to make this sacrifice for the sake of my sheep. A little further down, if you still have your Bibles open to John 10, in verses 27 and 30, It says, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will ever snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hands. I and the Father are one. So let me tell you exactly how secure you are. Anyone have a coin I can borrow quickly? A coin of any type. Doesn't have to be expensive. Doesn't have to be a toonie. Can't be a penny because we don't have them anymore. It's a toonie. I'm rich. I'll give this back to you, I promise. So... Let's say this coin represents sheep. This passage says that the sheep is in the grip of Jesus, right? In the grip of Jesus. Verse 28, it says, No one will snatch them out of my hand. Now, get this, we're in the hand of Jesus, and it says Jesus is in the hand of God. Verse 29 says, no one is able to snatch him out of the Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So the sheep and the sheepfold are actually in a double grip. They're in the grip of Jesus, in the grip of the Father, because I and my Father are one. I challenge anyone to come and easily take this figurative sheep from me in this grasp. It's going to be pretty difficult. This sheep is pretty secure in this grasp. Jesus, Father, they have you. You're secure the doesn't matter how difficult life may seem. It doesn't matter how distant the Father may feel at times. When the enemy tries to convince you 
otherwise, that it's not worth the cost to give up hope in Christ. They still are there. They still have you. You're secure by the act of Jesus Christ. You are saved. You are delivered. He does stand in your stead. And then finally, you can be satisfied. I'll give this to you after. Notice I didn't put it in my pocket. Holy smokes, I have my own. (laughs) I never have change. Finally, you can be satisfied. You tracking with me this morning? Is this encouraging to you? Jesus says, if you follow the good shepherd, you will find pasture. This means you'll find nourishment spiritually. But the key there is, if you will follow the shepherd, you will find nourishment. You hear me? So if you're feeling dry, if you're feeling like you're not on fire, you feel like you're not close to God or he's distant to you. Sometimes it is life circumstances. Man, I've been there. I've been there. I had to pastor through it for multiple years. But I still knew in my mind and in my heart of hearts that he was my shepherd, even though I had to convince myself sometimes of that because life got really difficult for a while. But you make the choice, regardless of the circumstances, to follow the shepherd, and you will receive that nourishment. And if you're in a dry time, even right now, if you don't feel excited about your faith, even right now, keep with it. You will get through because Jesus' promises are everlasting, unchanging. Speak to your brothers and sisters and your family here and hear of the good things that they have done. Those that you see and look at, and maybe your heart, your, your mind says, oh, they're a goody two-shoes, look at them, they're, sh- they're showing off their Christianity. Most of them, they're not probably showing off. They're just in a really good place with God. They are that in love that they cannot help but show their love for Christ. I believe uh, last week, Pastor Andrew talked about Psalms 23. And in that chapter, it says the sheep lie down in green pastures. Why would sheep lie down in green pastures? Because because they feel safe. Is that what you said? Feel safe? They're safe? They feel safe in what's found in green pastures. Satisfaction. As the good shepherd, Jesus stands in stark contrast to the thief. Verse 10, 
The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The thief only comes to take what he can for himself. So selfish. There's nothing that the enemy has in mind for your good. It can look good, but the consequences never are. Spiritual thieves being people or being uh, the principalities of darkness, they take the truth of God and they twist it so that people can't receive eternal life. I don't want that for anybody. Jesus came not to help himself, but to lay down his life, to be the door, to make the sacrifice for our sins so that we can be forgiven, that we can accept God as our Savior and experience the goodness of God temporarily in a way here on earth and eternally. He says that we can have life and have it abundantly. The word abundantly means exceedingly, over and above. To experience and follow Jesus as our shepherd. Get you to unmute the piano, please. Is to experience free access to pastures, to fullness of life. And under his protection and by his gift, we all can experience a better life. Not a perfect life, but a better life. In uh, the context of, of John's emphasis on eternal life, this needs to be significant. Jesus can and should give a whole new meaning to our life. Not just the point of being saved, but through our continual day-to-day -day life living within that salvation. When you go through the door, you receive life, you are saved, and as you go in and out. God's plan for each of us is to enjoy abundant life in the rich pastures of our Lord Jesus Christ. His desire for each of us is to enjoy fulfillment and freedom. Jesus not only gave his life for us, but he gave his life, he gives his life to us right now. Jesus desires to satisfy your soul. Jesus desires is to always be that shepherd, to be that deliverer, to be that safe pasture. He is the door. He does secure. He can and if you will let him, he will satisfy your deepest lungs. Won't you stand?
God, I thank you for your promises. I pray that for each of us, these past six weeks, including today, of exploring what you had to say about yourself, who you are, that uh, we would experience a refreshing of our mind, of our spirit, Lord God. That there would be such an excitement, such a stirring within each of us, Lord. That we wouldn't allow this series to pass us by and that we would find ourselves unmoved by you, unmoved by your truth, by who you are. But we would see ourselves drawing closer in accepting what you have said about yourself, the promises that you have made onto each of us. God, I pray that if, if there's anyone here that has been questioning their security in you, Lord, that you would speak to their heart and mind, Lord. And if there's anyone here that you have never experienced that salvation, you've never accepted God as your shepherd, I encourage you, don't wait. Today, make that choice. It's not a complicated process. The process of salvation is recognizing that I am sinful. That I've messed up in life and tried to depend on myself. And that Jesus wants to give you life and life abundantly. And that you can find eternal life through Jesus by saying, Jesus, I recognize you as my Savior and truly mean it. I'm sorry for the things that I've done and truly mean it. And I want to live life following you as my shepherd and truly mean it. And if you make that choice today, I encourage you to speak to Pastor Matt or myself to uh, send us a uh, message through the week on our website. And we want to walk with you. We want to help you grow in Christ, answer any questions that you may have. God loves each and every one of you so incredibly much. Thank you, God. Thank you for your promise.